When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Friday edition, Masters Friday. We've got Major League Baseball, plus plenty of NFL and college football headlines over the final hour. OutKick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Ehop here and Old Smoky Moonshine. Every Friday at this time, we get the latest on some of the SEC rumblings, but of course with Tennessee as well with a man who, who for all we know, is fresh off an interview with Mike Honcho. Brent Hubbs of (laughs) VolQuest.com joins us. Brent, hope you're doing well. Uh, Phil Fulmer told me to tell you hello. Um, You you and I were on the phone, and he walked in and thought that I was on the phone with Paul and Chad. Uh, at the time, and I was like, no, it was actually Hubs. He goes, oh, tell, tell Brent I said hello. So there you go. Phil Fulmer says hello, Brent. How are you? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are well. Fan- fantastic. Uh, give us the – all of the discussion right now across the SEC is about the spring games. There's some quarterback battles going on. There's certainly no quarterback controversy in Knoxville, and there's no spring game either for, for that matter. What is the buzz like because – and it may have been a day when Austin was on with us. I said, man, it, it sucks that the spring game's not happening this year because this would have been an anticipated spring game for Tennessee, knowing that everyone is coming back. There's momentum, things to build on from last year. That would have been a well-attended event. What's the buzz been like without knowing that that's happening? Well, the, the issue that they've got this weekend is just the weather. Um, you know, it's trying to get somebody to come out and, uh, tailgate for uh, a scrimmage that they're going to show on a screen. And you're talking about probably 44 degrees at the time the scrimmage starts. And even if you were inside the stadium, um, you know, that's going to be a cold day. And uh, it's just unfortunate that the, the weather's what it is. It's going to affect Tennessee's baseball attendance this weekend. Um, tonight is uh, it's drizzling in Knoxville right now. They'll get the game in, but you know, you're going to have wind chills in the low 40s, upper 30s tonight for baseball, and it'll be cold tomorrow. So the weather is doing no favors. The, the buzz around this team in general uh, is good, and obviously it's a big recruiting weekend. Uh, but, yeah, they would have had a much better crowd and a much better situation if they could have had it in the stadium and it was going to be 78 degrees. But the stadium's closed, and Mother Nature's decided we're in the middle of I don't know if this is dogwood, blackberry, plum, mandarin, orange, grapefruit, <laughs> whatever winter this is. Uh, it's daggum cold in Knoxville right now. I can promise you that. Well, Hutton made the Mike Concho Talladega Nights Tony Vitello reference, so I'll go ahead and ask the question. What has the impact been from your vantage point, Brent, in terms of traffic, interest, people reading, people watching your site in regards to Tennessee baseball with this team that – Right now is the number one team in America, and I don't know that it's that close when you look at the rest of the country, the way this team has played. Well, yeah, we've been covering Tony Vitello's team pretty hard for the last three years or so, four years, and certainly last year covered it more, even more extensively as they made their run 
and uh, made the decision to cover them out of the gate in, in every game this year. And fans love a winner. Uh, this team's a group of winners. Fan loves fans love personality. This group has great personalities. And Tennessee fans like a group of guys who aren't going to back down to any challenge and uh, aren't, aren't going to be afraid to say what they feel and, and carry it out that way. So uh, there's a great love affair for this team, even with the casual Tennessee fans. Uh, it's making for a great spring. It's going to make for a great rest of the spring and summer uh, to, to, to cover that gap that used to be deemed the dead period or the quiet period or the dark period or whatever the case may be. There's going to be nothing about it because this baseball team is full of fireworks and they're going to be full of fireworks for the next seven weeks in the regular season and then on into postseason play. He'd make a great college football coach, wouldn't he? Just is how open and honest he is with everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is – he is he is Steve Spurrier, a little bit of Lane Kiffin, just kind of all rolled into then his own personality. Um, uh, you know, the thing that Tony's done a great job of that that he doesn't probably doesn't get enough credit for because everybody talks about you know his swagger and he'll say whatever he wants to say and uh, some people talk about his look and all of those things. But the the thing that Tony's done a great job of since he's been here is he has the ability to touch everyone at every level of fandom. You know, you got, you got little kids running bases after games. They let them on the field to run the bases. He's out there with them. Uh, he goes out to the outfield porch after a game or pregame to see uh, the high level donors there. Uh, he's the same guy who got kicked out of a game a few years ago and sold lemonade outside the, the, the stadium. I mean, he, he touches all level of fans. He's not a guy who just deals with high level donors. He's not a guy who just deals with the kids for the pitchers and the publicity. You know, everybody who's a fan of Tennessee baseball feels like they know Tony Vitello in some way, and that's a credit to his personality, and, and the result of that is a love affair with this team in a sport that we've not seen. Um, Rod Delmonico had good baseball teams. They went to the College World Series. Fans liked individual players on those teams. There was not this kind of love affair with the program the way Tony Vitello has created it year in and year out here. Do you buy that the stickers just fell off the bats in batting practice and they went forward with the, the bats from the previous games that were approved and that it was just a big miscommunication mishap? Or do you think that what Tim Corbin obviously is speculating about with the league that he basically admitted to that the rest of the league believes Tennessee is using some sort of juiced or doctored bats? Well, considering that bat's in play, I don't think there's any issue to suggest that there's anything wrong with the bat. That so, yeah. I mean, I've got to lean. I've got to lean to the sticker coming off. I know it was not used the rest of the series in Vanderbilt. I, I think he hit the ball, the baseball, okay without the bat. Um, bat was back in play midweek, and, and bat should be in play tonight and in, in the weekend against Missouri. So, um, there was one bat last weekend that was deemed illegal per, when it went through all of the when the bats went through inspection and that was a Vanderbilt bat, there was not a Tennessee bat deemed illegal when it went through inspection. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess the sticker fell off. I'm not sure we need to find a better way to get stickers on there. If that's what the, the, the protocol is going to be is the sticker thing, but, um, the bats back in play. So to me, it deems that they've found, they've found nothing worse or, or nothing of any significance with the bat or any kind of issue there. Brent Hubs with VolQuest.com, our guest. Uh, Heupel and his staff, maybe more importantly his staff, his assistant positional coaches, they know this roster now a year later. Uh, 
for spring practice number two and going into the, the scrimmage. Where are their biggest question marks? They've got a lot going for them. Where are their biggest question marks right now, Brent? A left tackle on the offensive line, um, a third tight end, uh, a consistent outside threat opposite Cedric Tillman at, at wide receiver, um, a physical short yardage running back, uh, another rush in, another defensive end caliber guy, a little more depth on the defensive interior, uh, more depth at uh, linebacker, and, and certainly a uh, better play at the cornerback position where everybody is out injured right now. So um, what's that, eight positions and seven questions? That's kind of that's kind of where this team is right now. That doesn't mean they're a bad team. Uh, that they've just got uh, some concerns and some things that they're going to have to continue to manage through and, and stay healthy, and then get some help in the transfer portal. I think over the course of the next month, you know, if you can get a Brew McCoy to transfer from USC, that answers your question at outside receiver opposite Cedric Tillman to go along with some guys who are having solid springs. Uh, but but that would help there. Um, get some health back at the tight end spot with a guy like Miles Campbell, who's out this spring, could help there. And then getting three corners back after spring could help there. But I think they'll be active in the portal for a defensive back or a corner to try to solidify that spot a little bit more. Time of the year that we hear a lot about uh, guys who need to put on pounds getting there, guys who need to take them off getting there. Jalen Hyatt up as much as 20 pounds. That sounds like a big number for a speed guy. Any worry that uh, – is that number accurate? And any worry that if it is, it, it might be too much? No, the number is accurate, and no, there's not any worry because if he didn't put any weight on, he was never going to get off the line of the scrimmage to show whether he could run or not. Um, he was just not physical enough at, at, at 160-some-odd pounds. Um, you know, here, here's a guy who was literally pushing 165 or so trying to play football at the SEC level – and he was not quick enough and elusive enough for that to be of a benefit to him. So he needed the weight. He needs the, the greater physicality. I think the bigger thing for Jalen Hyatt, regardless of the physical presence, which has obviously improved, is I think he's finally invested and he's finally all in. I don't think he was ever that way a year ago. You know, he got hurt early in the season. That set him back. Uh, and then he spent a lot of time watching, and I think he lost interest with that. And uh, he knows the clock's ticking on his college career, and it's time for him to go. And to this point, he's been very solid and very committed to it. And I was really impressed with his uh, visit with the media earlier this week because he was about a, as candid as you'll hear a college kid talk negatively about himself. He did not have anything really good to say about his play a year ago and his focus a year ago, which to me says a lot about where his maturity is right now. Brent, going back to uh, your, your comment on left tackle, is that something they could find in the portal, or is that a position where they've got to recruit and develop based on the style of offense? Well, I think they'll look at everybody in the portal who's a possibility at left or right tackle, because if you found a right tackle you like, you could flip Darnell right back to left tackle and, and play him over there and answer the question that way. Uh, Tennessee would have loved to have gotten in play with Tyler Steen, who's going to play with his brother at Virginia. Uh, Tyler, who's a transfer from Vanderbilt, came up, visited Tennessee unofficially, but never gave him a look after that. Never got real serious there. Uh, they won't take a body just to take a body, uh, but but they'll continue to look there. We'll see where Gerald Bency is. Gerald did not scrimmage last Saturday because of an ankle injury. I think he's going to go tomorrow. Big opportunity, big scrimmage for him. They've got some guys there that they're trying to figure out who can play. You know, can J.J. Crawford play it? Can Mincy play it? 
Uh, if not, do they look at Dane Davis back at right tackle and Darnell Wright flips to left tackle? They have a couple of bodies to look at, but they'll continue to, to search for any possibilities that's out there. Jabari Small has been sitting out some practices. Uh, Princeton Fant, you know, just to name a couple of guys. With some of those guys that have not been participating, Brent, ha- have you seen a few guys who've maybe stepped up that wouldn't have had the same level of opportunity this spring that's impressed this coaching staff in the void of some of those guys who haven't been able to practice? Well, I think Justin Williams-Thomas has had his best week uh, as a vol to this point. The newcomer spent the first couple of weeks trying to figure out how fast everything really was. The game seems to be starting to slow down for him a little bit this week and talking to people. There's a much better feeling about kind of where he's at right now. Not that they were worried he was not going to be able to play, but just didn't know when it was all going to come together. Um, he, he's played with more quickness this week because uh, the game's slowing down and, and the amount of reps that he's getting. So I think he'll be in the mix at running back. Jalen Wright's heavier than he was. I think he's still got to show the ability to break a tackle, which is why it may be there for Justin Williams Thomas. I'll be curious to see what he gets done tomorrow. Um, you know, at the tight end position, it, it's there for Julian Nixon uh, with Princeton Fant being out, but but Nixon's banged up right now. He will not scrimmage tomorrow. So they're just a little bit thin at the tight end spot. Uh, I think a couple of veteran guys or older guys who are t- trying to take advantage of some openings. Rebel Keaton has drawn some praise. We'll, we'll see. I, I've got to sort of see that one to believe that myself. And I, I think Jimmy Holiday and Jimmy Calloway are both better than they were a year ago. And uh, I think Holiday's a guy who's shown that maybe he can't help him a little bit outside. And those guys aren't just pigeonholed in. Um, as slot receivers, that maybe those are some guys who can, who can play on the outside. Um, and, and we'll see what that looks like um, starting tomorrow afternoon in the scrimmage that we get to watch. Brent, I think I've just been conditioned this way because of the transfer rule now and, and the way things are different with the quarterback position, but I have a real hard time believing Joe Milton's on this roster this fall. And in fact, I'm shocked that he is still there this spring knowing that he is not going to have any chance at starting uh, over Hendon Hooker um, what are you hearing about Joe Milton? What have you seen from him in practice? And do you think there's an actual chance that Joe Milton, who a year ago his camp was talking about playing a year and going to the NFL, is going to come back for a second year and be a backup at Tennessee? As of right now, I think he's going to be back. And, and the reason I think that is I'm not sure what his options are going to be, where he would be able to go, uh, having already transferred once. Um, where could he grad transfer to again? Is he in a position to be a second-time grad transfer? Or would he have to transfer down to be eligible? I'm not sure he wants to transfer down. I bumped into Joe yesterday as he was leaving practice. He seems very content, very happy right now. Uh, Obviously, he's an ankle sprain away from from being back out on the field. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, there's not any internal vibe or or real real discussion or talk that, that he might be leaving. You never say never in the world that we're living in right now with, with transfers out there, but um, it, it doesn't feel like he's a guy who's going to jump from this roster as soon as spring practice is over. Now, I mean, he, he may get a you know a phone call from an old uh, teammate or somebody he knows that's at another school that may start to try to get the the, the you know wheels rolling in, in motion and see if that's a possibility. But as of right now, my, my leaning is that Joe Milton's going to be back at Tennessee, which. If you'd have told me that back in the fall, I wouldn't have believed it, but I don't know how many uh, what, what his options are out there either right now. Carnell Tate from uh, IMG, a receiver, one of the guys that Nico, I guess, is, is trying to help sway. 
Um, Tennessee, one of his final five, I guess, with Ohio State, Notre Dame, um, Bama, Georgia. Uh, that's quite the competition there. Um, how much of a chance you think he has, Nico has, to, to help pull him uh, in the direction of Knoxville? Well, they're both in Knoxville right now, spending time together, and, and certainly they're, you know, there's a heavy recruiting pitch going on there. I still think Ohio State's the school to beat. Uh, he's originally from Illinois. He's been to Ohio State more than anywhere else. Seems like he's got the most comfort level there. He does like Nico a lot. He likes Tennessee. Um, liked him better when Cody Burns was the position coach before he went to the NFL, so he's just getting to know uh, Kelsey Pope. But Tennessee's got two big-time receivers in this weekend, uh, Carnell Tate being one, Kyler Casper from Arizona being the other. I, I think Casper is maybe more gettable in terms of to start the weekend for Tennessee, a uh, little less competition from some other schools, and I think he and Nico have a good relationship as well. But, but we'll see what, what this thing plays out when it's all said and done. Um, but I, I just think a lot of people feel like Ohio State ultimately is going to be the team to beat uh, for Cornell Tate. Uh, but I can tell you, wide receivers around the country, not just those two, but others around the country are paying attention to Tennessee right now because of Nico. And, and the fact that he's in the fold for Tennessee is giving Tennessee some recruiting juice at all positions, but particularly the wide receiver position. Quick basketball question for you. There's some flexibility now with the roster uh, with some guys headed out. Uh, in fact, you had Rick Barnes. I've never seen or heard of this before, but he basically announced a transfer and where the guy was transferring to to be with his assistant coach before the player announced it during his press availability, just showing how honest he is. Um, who is Tennessee involved with in the transfer portal right now? Brent, I know that number is small, and I know one of those guys that was in the SEC a year ago is planning on being on campus this weekend. So what can you tell us about possible subtractions and additions to this Tennessee basketball roster? Well, I mean, they're, they're looking at everybody out there um, and, and, and trying to go through as many of those guys as they can go through. And, um, you know, they'll be selective. They, they certainly want a guy who is um, can, can put the ball in the basket from the perimeter um, and not just stand, a standstill shooter. They want a guy who can score, okay, late in the shot clock, could go get a bucket for you. They don't really have that on this team. Uh, it was Kennedy Chandler down the stretch this past year is kind of the guy they would run some ISO stuff for. Ziegler did it a little bit, but they don't have a guy that you look at and say, man, he could beat somebody off the dribble for an eight-foot jump shot, 15-foot jump shot. They've got to have that. Brandon Murray um, is a young man from LSU that, that Tennessee is going to have on campus uh, that, that Tennessee is heavily involved in. And, and he's a bit of a, pro, you know, certainly a priority for Tennessee right now. Um, Georgetown's in there. A lot of people think Georgetown has got a chance to, to land him because of some ties to an assistant coach there uh, in Kevin Nickelberry. But, but we'll see exactly what happens to that. Tyreek Key is a kid from the, the state of Tennessee uh, who actually set a scoring record in the state tournament for, for a number of points scored in a tournament run. He's at Indiana State. Nearly transferred a year ago, and, and Tennessee was involved there a year ago and then decided to go back to Indiana State. Uh, set out this past year because he was rehabbing a shoulder injury, but he's a guy who's averaged about 17 points a game and has played well. Uh, I think that's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, it right now might be Murray or Key, might be an either-or situation, uh, or they could end up taking both of them. I still think they'll look at a potential big man out there as well. Uh, so... They've got some flexibility. Uh, they, they definitely need to add some things with the portal. 
Uh, NIL's a play with some portal guys out there. That's something that, that you're dealing with now that you weren't dealing with a year ago in basketball recruiting that everybody's dealing with in all sports right now. So there's some different variables out there that could be in play, but those would be two names uh, that I think you'll see Tennessee heavily involved with Murray being in town first and foremost. Uh, Brent, I'm sure Austin is glued to the masters. I'll let you get back to your garden in this, uh, in this dogwood winter. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, no, I'm not getting out in the garden. It's too cold for me. I'm, I'm going to be the only guy that goes to, uh, a spring scrimmage tomorrow and, and base layer and um, ski gloves and a toboggan and, a, and I don't know, a, a down jacket, I guess. I, I will be dressed like Nanak of the North tomorrow to try to survive the wind and the cold that's going to be East Tennessee tomorrow. Are there, any, are there any other mini, quote-unquote, mini winters past dogwood winter? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, dogwood winter is kind of the most noted one. Yeah. Blackberry winter is the other one that gets talked about a lot in East Tennessee. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're going to, it's cold. It's cold here. I'm telling you, it is, uh, it's in the forties today. It's going to be in the forties tomorrow and going to be in the thirties at night. So you got to get all your plants covered up and all those things. I guess that's what I'm going to do before dark here is get all that stuff covered up. Brent hubs, volquest.com, the website, Brent, thank you. As always, we'll catch up next week. Thanks. Thanks, Brent. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Always great catching up with him. And the, the site is tremendous. Volquest.com for more info there. I, I'm curious, Chad, uh, about NIL. Uh, from a basketball perspective coming up because we know Kennedy Chandler's going pro. He's testing testing the the waters there. Uh but he uh, hired an agent so he's yeah, going play, playing off of um what I was asking uh, Brandon Wright earlier this week. A question about Tennessee compared to others when we come back. Plus, uh there are some quarterback battles that I I think maybe don't they don't hinge on tomorrow's performance, but tomorrow's performances in college football can actually give someone a leg up. And I think there's four in particular uh, that I'm paying attention to based on the reporting that will come out on Sunday in regards to performances that I think are legit competitions at some top college programs. That's next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Okay, 360 rolls on. Chad, I wonder because... We, we certainly know that Rick Barnes is not in with name, image, likeness. Not, he's not in like Heupel. He's not, not in and he's not opposed also. Though. Well, but in the, in the idea of, okay, 
if you are a score that's a school that's all in on NIL and you're trying to convince one of your top players in college hoops now, this is what I brought up with Brandon Wright, in college hoops to stay another year and develop into, you know, top ten type pick, or, you know, jump into the draft and potentially be a late first round or early second, wherever you may fall. Um are they le- are Tennessee players less likely to stay if they're faced with that situation because of the coach not embracing it as much as other programs? I don't think so, only because he's not he's not all in on it in terms of he's not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. NIL is kind of a joke uh, to him. You know, he brought up the thing about Justin Powell needs to get a suntan city sponsorship because he's so pale. When he was at a press conference, like he th- he kind of finds it amusing more than anything else. But I don't think Rick Barnes is standing in the way of someone getting money if they can organize that. So it's always going to be at the outside collective. Not standing in the way, but he's not the one trying to put it together. There will be coaches that will go to NIL uh, let uh, distribution and try to put something together to keep a player an extra year. He's not going to sell a kid on stay because you can make as much here as you can make as a second-round pick. Is he picking up the phone and saying, we need to keep this guy? <laughs> hey, so-and-so. You know, I, don't, you, I don't think that – There will be other coaches that do that. Of course. I, I, and look, there's going to be coaches. They could raid his uh, roster. Right. They, they could no, do that, too. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, and that's that could anywhere. happen. And that could happen, um, yes. I don't think Rick Barnes would be the one doing that. I think an assistant coach would be the one doing that. Sure. What do you think the program? I, mean, I think if a player came to, if Kennedy Chandler, Kennedy Chandler's going to go pro no matter what, uh, you know, he's gonna, probably going to be a first round pick, maybe a top 20 pick now. Mm-hmm. But if Kennedy Chandler went to an assistant coach or Rick Barnes and said, you know, I just need to get something that makes sense to stay, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards staying, but I, I'm also passing up a lot of money. I think that someone around Kennedy Chandler's camp would then go to an NIL collective and see to it that they got but something. But that's player-initiated. A lot of places like well, Hutt saying it's going to be program-initiated. Or, or, Let uh, me give you an example. Flip it. Just re- keep, this in, keep this in mind. There will be coaches that will say, hey, uh, Kennedy Chandler may be a bottom first round. Can we get him a million and a half instead of going pro? He'll come here. Can, can, is Rick Barnes going to be the guy that picks up the phone and says, hey, Scottie Pippen Jr., you want to make $3 million? Let's do it. No, but I don't think that's ever going to be what what sells kids on Rick Barnes. I mean, the cat's out of the bag on Rick Barnes. He's not that guy. Like, if you're going to play for Rick Barnes, you are in essence saying you're a little bit different in that regard. And quite frankly, if I'm someone wanting to go play with Rick Barnes, I'm hoping that you know Justin Ganey, the assistant coach, is telling me that, and not Rick Barnes, because that's not the reason I'm going to play for Rick Barnes in Tennessee. So I don't think it's going to negatively affect Tennessee. Let me, I'll, I'll give you, get you the example that I'm, I'm mm-hmm. throwing out right now. They've got Brandon Murray on campus this weekend. Brandon Murray went and played for Will Wade at LSU. He's from Baltimore, Maryland. He went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Do you think money was involved in that yes. decision to go to LSU? And I think money will be involved in his next decision. And he is in Knoxville first and foremost. So I guarantee you that someone is talking to Brandon Murray about what they could do from an NIL perspective because Tennessee wants him. And Tennessee's been pretty, not pretty, very selective in who they're targeting. You know, Brent Hub said it's either or with him and Tyreek Keyes from Salina, Tennessee, Clay County High School that's at Indiana State. If Brandon Murray wants to sign up first, it's probably going to be him. 
I'm just saying I believe that Brandon Murray's coming to Tennessee and getting an NIL deal done and making money to go to Tennessee. I also don't think Brandon Murray coming to Tennessee would be contingent on Rick Barnes going to him personally and saying, let's get you the money that you need to be here. I don't think that's part of what Rick Barnes is ever going to do. Even if the program and things around him are operating in that space, which they should be because it's allowed now. So if they want to compete, it, they should be doing that. Um, LSU and Tennessee have the same shoe deal. Uh, they're both Nike. I'd say I, 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 I wonder too on some of this, like if you've been paid one place and you, uh, you have a shoe situation, you know, the AAU stuff that would go on behind the scenes. Um, if you can facilitate that, and I'm not saying anything yes. nefarious going on here, but you don't necessarily have to be a school that embraces NIL if the behind-the-scenes partnership embraces both organizations. See what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, there's, I, I've read stories and heard stories for years, even before all this, that these players are off-limits because they're Nike players right. or they're Adidas right. players. So, yeah, I mean, that... And, and, and those, I can say that with those like, coaches know Rick Barnes was big on that. I'm pretty sure he was the one when he got there said, we got to be Nike. Right. And they all wear KDs. They wear Kevin Durant's, right? Because he coached Kevin Durant at Texas was a big part of it. Creates different um, silos in the portal. Yes. So they, they know the AAU programs to approach and who they have relationships with, knowing that we're a Nike school or we're Adidas or we're Under Armour or whatever. And there, there are circles you go through uh, with that. By the way, the other finalist for Brandon Murray, to go to your point about relationships, mm -hmm. is Georgetown. Because LSU's interim coach that recruited him to LSU, Kevin Nickelberry, has now been hired by Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. So it is thought to be a Tennessee and Georgetown race for him, this kid who's from Baltimore. Rick Barnes has already been in-house with him in Baltimore. But again, do you think if he went to LSU to make some money, that he could now go to Georgetown and make some money, possibly. You would I, imagine I think Georgetown's got to spend a lot of money. I think if the guy is the the guy who got him to LSU in part is now at Georgetown, that there's probably going to be some sort of arrangement. Knows exactly and this is not me being accusatory; it's me stating the obvious. No, in the old days that was accusatory. Now it's yeah. uh, about NIL. Yeah, it and look, be. he he may very well say, you know, I made a little bit of money at LSU. wasn't worth it. Uh, my head coach got fired. Now I'm looking for another spot. I just want to go somewhere for a year or two and play. In a coach and a program, you know, for a coach and a program I want to play for. So, you know, maybe there are kids out there that also just say, I'm, I'm not really worried about that much extra money right now because I'm going to go play in the NBA one day. That's probably few. That's, that's probably few and far between to find those guys, but I'm sure they're out there. In 10 minutes, we'll give you a, a, the latest Masters leaderboard update. Uh, speaking of coaches going elsewhere and then connecting it back to recruiting, um, Arch Manning is going to take a visit to Virginia this weekend. Wow. Because Tony Elliott's there. Tony Elliott, of course, the former offensive coordinator his, at Clemson. His recruiter at Clemson. He is now at Virginia, and Arch Manning will be on campus this weekend for a visit with the Cavaliers. So is that automatically legit, or is that doing a favor to Tony Elliott, who he liked, uh, it, to it give can be both. some street it's cred to Virginia? It's got to be legit. It can, it, it can be both. Again, like I, I go back to my Tennessee example here. If it's just a pat on the back and give some street cred and we're going to make everybody look good, then you take a visit practically anywhere you have a connection. This, this to me, means he's interested in Tony Elliott more that than would change the landscape. Virginia. Or Clemson. I, I think if uh, the weird thing about Tennessee is, you know, you hear that 
uh, they were basically told when they first tried to make the effort under uh-huh. Heupel that, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, we're just saving you your time here. So if Heupel was the offensive coordinator at Texas right. and he was the recruiter for Arch Manning and then Arch Manning liked him, then he took the head coaching job at Tennessee, he'd probably go to Tennessee and visit then, right, if it was the reverse of I that. I would think so. So I think it's both. I mean, I think it's you lending some legitimacy and giving a nice headline to a guy you respect and liked when he recruited you at Clemson. And maybe. And you're probably looking into it. it. I mean, you know, he's. I'm sure he's allowing for – the possibility that he goes there and he's blown away by the campus of Virginia, the school, everything else, and, and may go. I wonder if that's intriguing at all to go be a program maker. I would also be completely be, shocked yeah. if he did that. And honestly, if he wants to be a program maker, then just go play for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Exactly. They've never been to the SEC championship game in the school's history. So even with your uncle Eli, they, they didn't get there. So – I mean, that, that's the one that would be appealing to me is go be a program maker at your granddad and your uncle and your dad's alma mater. Maybe he wants to go to a better school. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not seeing a bunch of uh, you know, top schools in his, on his list. I understand. I'm just yeah. throwing stuff at a wall. Um, what a coup that would be. I mean, oh, it would be, I'm putting Virginia way down the list of possibilities, but it would be amazing for them. There are uh, some spring games happening tomorrow with some quarterback intrigue that pay attention to, if you're not watching it, pay attention to with the headlines coming out of this. Um, well, let's start in the SEC with Auburn. Brian Harson, I think he wants out. And he wanted the Oregon job. He wants to get back out west. Auburn fans aren't happy with him. Um, right now they're stuck his coaching with Coaching staff left. Yes, yeah, coaching staff's leaving. They have T.J. Finley taking the majority of the first-team reps this spring. That's no surprise because, keep in mind, Calzada has he's, transferred in. He's and got his, a bad shoulder. Yeah, right? so he's out. And so he's not going to be available until at the earliest whenever they open up the, the fall practices. Um, so can Finley do enough before Calzada, who, again, was a backup at Texas A&M um, and led the charge against Alabama but is transferring out of A&M for a reason, um, can T.J. Finley do enough for Brian Harson during the spring getting all these reps to then lead him in as the favorite to win the starting job? Or is this actually a quarterback battle in the fall? If it is, Harson's not going to have to wait very long uh, before he's looking for another job. Well, th- that, that is one to watch, the quarterback battle. I think just, br- just more broad at Auburn, I just keep thinking, okay, Everything happened this offseason with Harson. What next? Where is this Auburn program now? Yeah. The dust has settled, and it's not a great football team. They've got some talent and some spots, but there's quarterback questions. There's questions about the future and direction of the program. Is everyone really united? Was It looked like an attempted coup that failed, and Harson's still there. Well, guess what? Those that led the charge in the coup are still there and around the program, and they're going to come right back with pitchforks. The moment it goes south. So I, I think Auburn is in a very difficult spot. They're, they're always going to be in a difficult spot. They're, they're in the same state as Nick Saban in Alabama, and they're in a very difficult division in the SEC. Well, look at their coaches that they're but up against if, every if year now. It's a program that can win a national title. We've seen it pretty recently. Mm-hmm. But it's also a program that can split, fracture quickly. And when that happens, it's impossible to compete. Whole season is going to be about who the next coach is. It will be if it starts to go south. But again, I don't know what 
What next? That's okay. Harson's the coach. Great. What forward momentum do you have? Do you have forward momentum? Do you really have the backing of everyone around the program? And I think the answer is no. And the answer on forward momentum is very little right now for Brian Harson. And so, I don't know if they end up with a better solution than Bo Nix, who's just walked out the door. Um, number two for me, Clemson. The, we saw Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence come in as freshmen and unseat the guy who was ahead of them immediately in spring. They've got this five-star, Klubnik, who's there, and they have DJ, who's bad. Uagalale? Um, yeah, something. Something like that? Um, didn't, did not play well last year. Um, can the five-star come in and unseat the guy who is a bit on the hot seat? Or do you stick with the veteran and then eventually bring up the freshman as you go? How Again, big a deal was the veteran we, coming in? We saw, uh, well, he, was, he inherited it. He was behind Trevor Lawrence, and he was the next guy. The difference between Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, when they came in, right out of the gate, they were able to unseat. I mean, they were... They were anointed the guy, no matter who was there. So, can Lubnick? Yeah, Cade is his first name, right? Yep. Can he can he come in and do the exact same thing? Number three for me. By the way, um, we just talked about Virginia on this. Yeah. Just a quick thing on the Clemson thing, the Tony Elliott factor there. Yep. Sure. Yeah. How much of? It sounds weird to say because he was there for so long and did so many good things, but was he a problem a year ago when that offense went south? Now he's no longer there. He's the head coach of Virginia. Or was he the one possible solution? And really they have a bigger here. problem on offense and they have a bigger problem at quarterback and new offensive coordinator, new offensive direction is not going to help one way or the other. All right, so here's number three and it plays into that a bit. Uh, that same theory. I don't know if there's much of a quarterback battle, but Casey Thompson's now the quarterback at Nebraska. And Mark Whipple, who was just coaching Kenny Pickett, is now calling plays and running the offense in Nebraska because Scott Frost was told, if you want to keep your job, we're going to make the staff changes and you're going to take a pay cut to do it. And he did it. Um, that may turn out for the best because they've got a transfer from Texas coming in and they have Whipple paired with him who did nice things at Pitt for Narduzzi. I think that the Nebraska situation, and I'm not saying this because of my household, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying it nationally, Maybe the most fascinating story this season because I'm intrigued you've got to see Scott this. Frost who was put basically on probation by his own AD, right? It, they did the same thing with the basketball team in Nebraska. We'll give you a year, but you're cutting all of your assistants and you're hiring new assistants. And he goes for him outside the box with Mark Whipple who did amazing things with yes. Kenny Pickett at Pitt. But you got a quarterback in Casey Thompson that's not the same style as Kenny Pickett uh, I think it's Casey Thompson's job at Nebraska, and I think it's all about Mark Whipple, a very veteran guy, older coach, has worked with different styles of quarterbacks. How quickly can he adapt his style, what he wants to do, to Casey Thompson? And this, this should be a good Nebraska team, but we said that a year ago too. This should be a team that is competing in the Big Ten West. Will they? They haven't been able to yet, but I, I'm fascinated to watch the Whipple, Frost, Thompson dynamic with this team he, and him trying to go a different way. And I applaud Scott Frost for going in a different direction and trying something new to break out of what's been awful so far at Nebraska. Whipple get a huge raise to make that jump, or was Narduzzi willing to move on, or what happened there? He got a 
I'm sure he got a big raise to go to Nebraska. Money, money at, at money in the Big Ten and at Nebraska is going to be better than money in the ACC at Pitt. Well, and then there's number four, and it goes back to Pitt. So Whipple leaves. They have Kenny Pickett, who was there, what, six years? He's out. He's headed to the draft. Um, Keaton Slovis is coming from USC to Pitt. He's transferred to Pitt. And the guy battling him was the backup to Pickett. His last name is Patty. Um, I cannot remember his first name. Um, he, um, I, he's, he's received some buzz, though, for his play this spring. And if you look at the battle, Narduzzi is not allowing much to get out on this. So the spring game, I put this of note because if Narduzzi's not saying very much. Nick you, Patty. Okay, Nick Patty. It sounds like uh, uh, Irish Patty Spong. Mayonnaise from. I, I, I think of Patty's Pub from yeah. It's Always Sunny so, in Philadelphia. So he, I take that one of but two ways. But it's spelled P-A-T-T-I. So you're either, if you're Narduzzi, you're just keeping things close to the vest because you can, and that might be it. Or Slovis has come in and is not picking up the new offense all that great. And you're keeping things, you know, on a, on a you're, you're keeping the sea calm until you have to let news out that he's not the guy. The spring game will be a, a solid indication one way or the other on that. I'm going to be shocked if it's not Slovis as a starting quarterback based on his pedigree, based on uh, – some of what we saw at USC based yeah. on being a five-star, but, but I'm also shocked to see Stetson Bennett starting over JT Daniels. And this is a very similar situation. I, five-star quarterback yes it is. transferring from the West Coast, going east, and landing with a bit of a thud, possibly. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that from Slovis. I think Pitt, they're not going to be as good, but they're, they're going to roll along to some extent with Slovis at quarterback, and I'd expect him to be the quarterback. But the moment I say that, I can bring up the example of JT Daniels, who we all anointed, the quarterback at Georgia, and he was too in the beginning. And then you've got this former walk-on guy that takes his job and and runs with it. So maybe Nick Patty's pub, Nick Patty's going to be the Stetson Bennett of Pitt. Coming up, Tiger Woods may have just added a couple of hours glued to the TV for you this weekend. We'll tell you why next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are following Tiger Woods at Augusta on Friday. The cut line remains, the projected cut line remains at four over. Tiger is currently one over. Yes. Because of his recent play. He's gone birdie, bogey, bogey, birdie, birdie. Uh, Birdie in the last two holes, 13 and 14. And he is currently tied for 20th in the tournament. But more importantly, if you're watching the Masters just to keep tabs on Tiger and watch the entire round, things are looking great right now that he's going to make the cut at Augusta National. Currently three shots ahead of the cut line right now. And your biggest mover of the day, a guy that we have yet to mention, Shane Lowry is four under on the day. He is on the 17th. He's at three under par, two strokes off the lead. From Scotty Scheffler. Very so strong, the yeah. Irishman now at three under tied with Sanjay M, Charles Schwartzel, and Joaquin Neiman all at three under par. So Shane Lowry still with two holes to play. 
very impressive day in this wind at Augusta National, now at three under par. Scotty Scheffler, two strokes clear of the field, five under. He's on the 13th. He just hit a cameraman. Scheffler is your leader, but you're right about Lowry. Uh, Lowry, three under for the tournament. Um, Schwartzel is three under for today, which has him three under for the tournament as well. The wind has played a major factor in all this. Uh, Dustin Johnson was steady today, so he's right there in contention. Tied for fifth at two under. He was one over for the day, and he's finished his round. Others, uh, Danny Willett, we started the show discussing him. He was the leader on day number two and then has fallen back uh, at one under. At one point, he was three or four under and is now back at one under as he's completed. uh, He's currently wrapping up. He's got two holes left. He's on 17, two over for the day. Finau and Scott are on 12. I think that's who we'll get to see the most of if we get home. Well, this is great news that uh, Tiger is is playing well. Um, McElroy is going to make the cut as well. He's two over for the tournament after the first two rounds, and he's in the clubhouse. So some big storylines for the weekend. Justin Thomas, two under today, and that puts him at two over for the tournament. He was bad yesterday, but in tough conditions, the field came back to him a bit, and he's played now at two under uh, with uh, the majority. I think he's making his way through Amen Corner right now, so he's got the majority of the, the second nine still ahead of him with a chance to, to add to his overall good performance. If he can get back to even par, uh, potentially, over the final stretch here, he's in contention for sure for a green jacket this weekend. I put Tiger in the, in the group that I would describe as battling today. Yeah. Bad, battling through it and hanging on. Hanging on for dear life. Doesn't look like he's had a bit of fun. No, but that's kind of his natural disposition, I feel like. Right oh, now. But compared to yesterday, yeah. no, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yesterday, no, there was, was a little bit of lightness to him. There's no lightness to him today. No, you're right. Well, hey, a little lightness with this latest T-shirt. He just hit a bomb off of 15. So uh, enjoy Augusta National. Enjoy the Masters. We're going to recap all of the storylines, including Tiger, on Monday, NFL discussion, and much more. Have a great weekend. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 in the meantime. Spend the weekend not blocking the box, but locking your lock.